0: Let's all go to the lobby, let's all go to the lobby, let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hey, you know that film you always meant to get out into watching, but you never did? Well, I call those Black Hole Films, and this podcast is all about checking those films off our list and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter, at Lalonde Jeremy, or check out my website, jeremylon.com for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate and review it, leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening to it. It really does make a difference to helping more ears tuning in. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 77, and today I'm joined by Jason Butler, one half of the Butler Brothers, responsible for films like First Round Down, Morning Is Broken, and was also a sub-filmmaker on Love in the Sixth. I think he was an editor and acted in the film as well. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. So we're sitting down to watch The Killing of a Chinese Bookie, which when my son asked me today what movie we were watching, he said, that sounds a little bit racist, Dad.
1: (laughs) I'd say that. Your son's right. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I'm Jeremy. I haven't seen this movie. Uh, I'm Jason, and I have not seen this movie either. Uh, and how much, like, are you a Cassavetes? Where, where do you stand in the Cassavetes over of films? I'm a Cassavetes guy, and I definitely, probably like a lot of filmmakers, had my. You know Cassavetes binge fest back in the day, probably right around when I was really falling in love with the idea of filmmaking, Yeah, as opposed to just enjoying films and delving a little deeper. Um, this is one that, uh, as your audience may know from a previous podcast, when I worked at a video store, uh, we didn't have this one. It was really hard to find. Uh, couldn't get it. Uh, the VHS cost a ton at the time. DVD didn't exist, so never saw it. And it was it's a, a definite black hole for me because uh, I've seen all the major works other than this one. I'd say nice, yeah. So I picked up a couple of
0: years ago uh, the the Criterion box set that has this and four others. And I think because he made eleven films total, I believe right. And these ones are all the ones that he paid for himself. So this is like the five films that he bankrolled. So it's this, uh, Faces, Shadows, Opening Night, and Woman Under the Influence, right. Uh, of which I've seen, I've seen a woman under the influence, I've seen Shadows, I tried to watch Faces earlier today, and I could not
1: get into it. Right. Uh, have you seen Faces? I have seen Faces. What do you
0: think of Faces?
1: Um, it, it's it's tough to get into, but once you catch the rhythm, uh, like a lot of Casavetti stuff, I find it's rough around the edges, you yeah. kind of don't know where things are going, it's kind of a mess, but then it pays off in the end. Yeah, I, uh, I
0: do plan on going back to it. Yeah, it was just not. I was like, it was in that mood where I'm like, I'm not in the mood for this, yeah. and I want to enjoy it. And mm-hmm. if I keep this on, I'm not. I'm just gonna be zoning out. Yeah. Uh, but I know that I love. Like I, 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 uh, I love a woman under the influence. Right. You know that movie is just the pa- again. It's like, like you were saying, where it just kind of starts and just drifts along.
1: But that movie just is such a powerhouse. Of well, it's so nice. I mean, coming. We're both coming from backgrounds of uh, you know creating our own work and yeah. relying on a lot of talented friends in a lot of cases. Uh, you know, Cassavetes had, like, the best friends to work with who to call up and be like, can you help me out? Work for free. Yeah. You know, Gina Rollins, come on now. This is amazing. So, uh, it, totally inspirational in that regard as well.
0: Yeah, and this movie, all I know about this movie is that it's an idea that he came up with with Scorsese. Okay. Uh, and they literally came up with it two weeks before they shot it. Amazing. And that's all I know about this movie, other right. than the title, which alludes to potential ideas. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, definitely, it's like, I would say that it's like, I haven't seen a ton of his stuff outside of uh, the stuff he's put out on Criterion. And, um, and, yeah, I like Shadows. No, yeah, Shadows is the one I saw before, Faces, I haven't seen Opening Night, and I definitely cast is as one of those people, like, I admire him as a filmmaker probably a little bit more than I admire his films, Uh, but I definitely like his films from what what I've seen, even though they're not, like, they're,
1: they're not the kind of films you can just put on whenever. Totally. You totally, have to be kind of like right Bergman mood. for me. I can't just put on a Bergman. I gotta be like, this is this is the day. I gotta pounce on that moment. So. Yeah, and
0: it's the same. And I was really, really into Bergman uh, when I was in film school because I was really into Woody Allen and, and going down his right. Because you know Woody Allen's re- influences are Bergman and the Marx Brothers, and that's like how you get Woody Allen is you combine those two right. really weird <laughs> things yeah. that don't shouldn't go together. Yeah. Uh, and so picked up a ton of like uh, the Criterion DVDs of Bergman, and now they're putting out a giant Blu-ray box set later on this year. And I'm like, I'm, and part part of me was like, oh, I should grab that. I'm really excited. There's a couple titles I don't have yet. I don't have any of them on Blu-ray, right. but I also have it going. Am I going to rewatch yeah. those? Realistically, yeah. Am exactly. I going to sit down and watch rewatch Cries and Whispers and just really want to like kill myself? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I want to go through that? Because those, I think Bergman's great for like a young burgeoning filmmaker. Who is just like angsty because <laughs> yeah. it's like the right kind, but I'm like, I'm in a much happier place in my life yeah. now.
1: Yeah, do I need to feel those feels again? Maybe when you're like in your 70s and you're like pondering the life you had, maybe then again you revisit them and you're like, aha. But I agree that that main portion, those 50 years between 20 and 70, I don't see myself going back and watching like Wild Strawberries in the 70s. No. Seal.
0: but what's intriguing to me is this box that they're putting out uh, is organized. I think it's almost his entire uh, filmography. Right. Uh, but they've also curated it into what they're calling six film festivals. So it's not necessarily in chronological order, but it's almost like they're arranging them in like this viewing order based on, I don't know, emotions or themes or something. Of course. I was like, that's... that's I at least want to see that. I could yeah. probably create my own film festival out of looking at the list. Yeah. But uh, anyway... It's um, the nerd in me desperately wants to get it, but the the person who also has a million other Criterion's I want to buy goes, is that the one that to, grat- to spend a ton of money on? Yeah. Wise. When when the Princess Bride is coming out as well later on this year. Yeah, I got to get Bull Durham for next year for opening game. So right. Got to do it. And that's where my black hole still. What? I know. I know. I, I have someone that wants to watch it with me for this. Right. So it, it should be featured in an upcoming episode. Totally. That's the plan.
1: Uh, yeah, so uh, I guess we should just get into it. Is there anything else? No. The only thing I really know about this uh, movie is Ben is in it, and I love the guy. So, but, I love Ben Gazzar.
0: Well, just—I mean, it, I, I assume it's full of like other regulars from Cassavetti. Yeah, I'll be disappointed world. if Seymour Cassell doesn't drop in for a little bit. So, and, and his wife Gina. Yeah. 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 All right, let's do it. Let's all go to the lobby get
1: ourselves a treat. All right. Okay. We've watched the movie. (laughs) We have. Well, most of the movie I noticed uh, your eyes were closed for a little bit. Oh, man. That
0: was tough to to stay awake through. I got to be honest, How, how are you doing?
1: I was okay. I was okay. It, was, uh, it wasn't uh, gripping by any uh, stretch. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder
0: now... Uh, I kept on thinking while we were watching it about your comment about how it was hard to find. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't... Um, so, the other thing we should, we should open with, as soon as we, we pop the disc in, the first thing that came up in the menu was... Uh, was it six, 76 versions, 78 versions every yeah. year? Yeah. And we're like, oh, shit. Which is the definitive version. Right. Uh, and then we uh, we did a quick internet search and uh, found that uh, the sh- shorter
1: version is the more recent one and seems to be the preferred version. Right. According to what we read, uh, Gazzara saw the original cut and hated it. Hated it. And I think the... Everybody did. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. So yeah, we roll with the uh, shorter cut and I am uh, definitely glad we did.
0: I can't imagine what nuance was missed. Yeah, there was a lot of filler, a lot of uh yeah, I mean, wow. It uh like there were some interesting moments in there, but at the same time like what was the story? The story was this nightclub owner uh gets in over his head At the at the poker table, some kind of card table. Yeah, owes twenty three grand. They want him to kill this Chinese bookie. Yeah, uh, to
1: lighten the load, not even the whole amount. They're like, this will reduce your debt. The reduce was they pitched the full kill. He said no, but he would like to reduce it. They said by how much? He said ten grand. They say okay for ten grand. Here's what you got to do. You got to go into Chinatown. Track down the bookie, get him back to your club. That's 10 grand. Presumably, they were going to do the rest from that point. Yeah. He went to Chinatown with his lovelies, three of his lovelies. They yeah. instead just watched, they went for breakfast and then watched movies till way late.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's just it. They, every time, there's a lot of tangents in this movie <laughs> where it's like, oh, it's picking up. He's going, oh, no. No. Nope, he's just going to go do this, and then they're going to hang out for half an hour.
1: Yeah, even there was a few musical montage cues where I thought, oh, okay, here's where some things are going to happen, and then it just stopped. Yeah. I was like, no, that was actually just a little bit of music. Casemades really likes to subvert expectations in this one. It was, um, I think about three quarters of the way through, I I was like, this is the, the most unglamorous sort of... Thriller. Thriller Goodfellas ever,
0: you know? It was just... <laughs> zero... Me- well, not only... I don't want to say zero style, because it's definitely... like There's some interesting lighting in there and the club scenes. I really it's, like the way it looked Yeah, it, I really It's got kind of a really nice look compared to how gritty most of it... Gritty and just kind of like... Gorilla, most of his movies of this ilk are, the ones yeah. that he self-financed. Uh, yeah, but there's no... It's The anti-Goodfellas is great... Example because, especially with the exception of the, the ambient nightclub songs and stuff, there's not there's no score, I don't
1: think. No, which would have really helped <laughs> the old jazz up, uh, it would have helped. It was just very, ah, oh, there's just so much with some of his other stuff where it's more dramatic based, I yeah. guess, and you're sort of dealing with real life, um. Uh, you know, I've always found myself drawn into it and really sort of, I guess, projecting my my experiences onto what's happening and really relating to it. Yeah. For this one, you know, sort of the kind of lousy, semi-deadbeat club owner and, you know, really kind of a boring mafia types and casino. Like, there was nothing... To grab onto. Nothing to grab onto. And, what,
0: and, and that's where I started drifting in and out. So he kills the, the bookie. And then what happened for the rest of it? Like, then what was going on? Well, yeah, it was really... Cause he it was a very weird kill-
1: storytelling, because
0: that was kind of... Because he goes through with killing it, killing him, but then that still didn't seem to satisfy people were still after him?
1: I guess he didn't do it in the preferred sort of... They, they, they pitched him the whole plan, here's what you do, you bring the meat for the dogs, you go in the back door, he's doing this, you kill him, you take a cab. You know, sort of... Yeah. But he went in there, killed one, proceeded to kill a bunch of people. Well, that's
0: what happened. He killed killed the bookie, and then this woman saw him, and he noticed that she saw him. So that was a witness, so he killed her. I don't
1: even know if he killed her. He killed, like, two guards, and he killed two more guards. Yeah. It was just a bit, you know, it was great. He got away, and we're like, okay, well, now shit's going to escalate. Tensions are going to rise. Yeah. No, it's it's just it continued in this sort of very low-key... Yeah, that's so what I was thinking too. I'm like, oh, we're into it now. And then nope.
0: And then there was this big. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, about another ten minutes later, uh, this escalation of all the mafia types are then in this shootout. Like they're running through these hallways a- after him.
1: Well, and yeah, you were definitely talking <laughs> in and out of this. So uh, he goes. So he gets he gets shot, and he has he has the bullet still sort of in his side. Yep. Um... And he, it, uh, evidently, we, we find that it was never removed. So he goes to the nightclub. Yeah, because it was like out.
0: brown, and it was like pus coming from it or something.
1: Well, it was it yeah, it was like blood right through his suit, really kind of yeah. red paint. But uh, he goes back to the club. They're, uh, they're presumably already waiting there. Um, they're waiting there for him. They say, come with us. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, he goes with him. He knows he's something's up. The old double cross. Yeah. Um, and then from there... Basically, he double crosses the double crossers a little bit, and then there's the chase chasing yeah, through the yeah. warehouse. There, that's what you saw. But it was just the two of them, and again, the most unglamorous. That's why I couldn't.
0: I, I was in and out, man. I was like, oh, it, it's going. And then how the is f- it was it kept on putting me to sleep. You
1: know, to be honest, it was probably very realistic of how what occurs when you're on the run or you know hiding from a guy who's trying to kill you with another gun. It's probably more realistic than what we're used to cinematically. Yes, 100%. But, I'll give them that. You know, <laughs> we are still trying to entertain at the end of the day. Yeah. And it was not entertaining. It was very realistic. But I was just like, oh, my God. And it went on and on, went on and on. And again, nothing really came of it. He just kind of left. Yeah. And climactically he left. He didn't kill the guy who was trying to kill him. He just left. And then went back to the club. And then they spent another
0: 20 minutes at the club just hanging out, and there was that long scene in the, in the, in the uh, dressing room. J- yeah, trying the to rally him up.
1: Yeah. And, and
0: then they went to the stage, and we got to watch, is it Mr., what was the guy's Mr. name? Mr. Sophistication. Mr. Sophistication. He, we got to see him sing a whole song. A whole song? In one take?
1: A whole song. Like, I think... Wow. <laughs> <sighs> I know we talk about editing a lot, but it's also, I think, the director, Nick Cassavetes, or Nick Cassavetes, uh, it was... Um, John Cassavetes. John Cassavetes was in love with... He's just in love with his friends slash actors, and there's no reasonable explanation for some of that stuff going on. No. And you, and you can understand, and that's why it's even more
0: curious, it's like, what was that half an hour or 27 minutes that was cut out? And you got to imagine it's just
1: more of that. Yeah, and it was it ran an hour and forty eight minutes the new cut, and you know easily you could just lop off another thirty. You know, <laughs> you're being generous, yeah, <laughs> just to keep it feature length. Well, it, it's it's funny
0: like the like the editor in me goes as an experiment. It'd be fascinating to recut this and just cut out all the stuff
1: that you don't need because I bet you can make something dynamic out of out of this well we read there in the when we were trying to decide we read that a lot of the stuff the scenes were rejigged and changed yeah. around uh within within the time frame as well as stuff removed and stuff put in so there, there's an
0: interesting interview in the uh in the book that I I just glimpsed through a bit because I didn't want to read ahead too much of like uh, an interview cafe where talking about how much he hates editing mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> obviously yeah. yeah it looks like he just sort of kind of cut here and cut there and but he's like in the book in the in the interview he's like but you gotta with the editor otherwise they'll screw it up it's like thanks john <laughs> that's how that works wow yeah if you don't do your director's cut the editor will do theirs yeah yeah uh yeah it's fascinating yeah so it was weird it's um it's definitely because even 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 though i didn't I, I i didn't make it all the way through uh uh faces earlier today, I was, I was following along. Like there was definitely a storyline there that I was mm-hmm. engaged in, and it was working along with this one. I think I, I, I like the way you, you described it. Like the idea that this is the most realistic thriller ever, which doesn't necessarily
1: make it <laughs> exciting. Yeah, but it sure is realistic. It sure is realistic. Like there was no score telling us like this is urgent. This is you know the cuts weren't quick. You know, he People was, were bumbling through stuff. You know, uh, when they're, you're setting up the kill, it was very not... There was no sort of zoom-ins on who was talking. Like, it was kind of Altman-esque in that thing, and I know Altman's been influenced by Cassavetes and this sort of thing, but the talking was occurring off-camera. You'd focus on another guy lingering. Meanwhile, it's the whole reveal of this is what you got to do, this is how you're going to kill a bookie is going down at that table. And I wonder if... Uh, I don't know.
0: I think it's just this movie in particular because of the genre that it's in... Um, but also the subversion of expectations, it almost feels like, I wonder if this influenced the Coen brothers at all, mm-hmm. just in the way they're, you know, they'll often take a hard left and go in a direction that you weren't expecting. Right. You know, a character who you expected to be around for forever suddenly will die off screen. Right. You know, and stuff like that that, they, that they, they've they done in their films. Uh, I'd be curious to know, because that is what makes it interesting and unique, uh, that it's
1: not just following the tropes of genre, you know? Oh, definitely not. Uh, I actually... Yeah, I had no idea <laughs> where the movie was going once the bookie was killed, and it just kept going. I And, you know, there was no new stakes really introduced. other Yeah. Than, you know, he's just doing his thing. And, you know, even Gazara's character is interesting, but everything was done in such a plain way. Like, he kind of gets... Into debt. You know, he shows up you know, gambling on that boat, I guess, or whatever it was, and gets himself in debt instantly after we discover right off the hop he's paid off debt to this guy. Vinny says, You're low life, I'm never dealing with you again. Immediately goes and gets himself way worse in debt. That's, that's, that's what we call a gambling problem. Yeah, a, a casual gambling problem. He's like, No problem, guys. And then casually signs away whatever on that form. Yeah. It's just all it's all done very understated like but kind of realistic I imagine but again not necessarily compelling. So, yeah. So uh you know I really wanted to kind of root for Gazar's, you know, kind of he's like kind of an honorable owner like he want, you know, he deals in a bit of sleaze and stuff but he's trying to make it a little more glamorous, making it a show, but at the same time it's still greasy. I just didn't really care if he lived or died. I didn't really care about any of them. So
0: No, and he disappeared for at one point for a while. Uh he disappeared? Didn't he he was gone off screen for a bit in the middle. Uh. Man, I had a few dreams about <laughs> this movie. I'm not a reliable
1: uh host right yeah, now. Not a reliable narrator. Um no. he was he pretty much owned it. He was around the whole time. So I feel like there was a scene that he was gone in.
0: And then I was like, "Is he gone? Is he not? I don't know. I, I definitely was gone for a bit of that movie. Yeah, yeah. Where I was yeah, trying yeah. to like put the put the other pieces in my head of what was happening. Although I think it was more that because all the stuff you described, I'm like yes, yeah, all that. I think it was my brain kept on trying to make more out of it, and in the way that and then realizing that no, it's just a simple." as it is and all the and just trying to like all those little tangential because we're I mean I think we're taught as modern screenwriters that it's like every single piece of dialogue every single thing has to matter in the yeah, whole we'll has to the be story forward th- has th- to be thematic or whatever it just has to be part of the overall narrative and when you watch something like this it just it it fucks up my brain because my brain tries to over process this right, stuff and know. go well, how is this connecting how is this Irrelevant, and so much of it isn't that it,
1: it 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 puts me in a coma. Yeah, this was like the anti-expositional film. Like there was nothing. So yeah, we're kind of forced to put the pieces together, which I quite enjoy. Except, like you said, it was pretty simple. There was no layering, you know. <laughs> And you, you had mentioned, like, they basically came up with a concept two weeks earlier.
0: Yeah. The, so that showed. Yeah, the, the article I was reading said that, uh, Casavetti said they started reading, writing it two weeks before they shot it, based on uh, uh, an
1: idea he and uh, Scorsese had. Yeah. So... Which, yeah, I get that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just, there wasn't any layering. There wasn't anything more to piece together. It was just... But also, as a filmmaker, I'm like, you, you must think about it. Like, two weeks before a shooting, I'm like...
0: You're so he must have just uh, he probably had that bar, he knew somebody owned that bar, he knew the locations he had. So it was just literally stitching together a story for the locations that you had available to you and the people. Totally, like
1: what can you do in two weeks for a feature? Nothing, you just a basic storyline. I mean, there's not, I assume most of the dialogue was improvised, uh, you know, yeah. Well, he was big on that anyway, right? Yeah, so I'm sure he, you know, leaned on it heavily for this. Uh, which would explain some of those long lingering moments where I think he's like, I don't know, let's hopefully the, you know, viewer will fill in the blank here. Let's just let it sit Yeah. And let them do that. And I made a gesture about rolling my uh, cogs brain. in my brain. Uh, yeah, so I, that... It was frustrating. Uh, takeaways for me were, you know, I, I loved the way it looked. The blues and the pinks and it had such great style. I just yeah. wish... The content itself delivered, on something. That. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the other thing that he's so
0: known for is is using this improvisational style. Uh, is you get really great little nuanced things and little actory things. I think like Gina Rollins is, you know, probably the, the 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 highlight of of his movies for that. Just like what she can pull out of out of what she's given and how she just adds to the characters. Uh, they they give you like depth and nuance where it just feels like you you like you said you walk away not really getting to know these people or, or feeling like any sense of them or what their inner what's going on inside of them which is kind of like the heart and soul of a Casavetes film right and why you you get into it because you want to you know the, these rich characters that he gets through improvisation this is almost the antithesis of that yeah where they're kind of pretty one note Flats uh and so you're not getting any story that's really interesting, and the characters aren't really interesting either,
1: yeah, they're mostly just rippers, basically after Gazzara and and some some mafia mobster type goons which who which were low key and not very show showy at all uh interesting, Seymour Casella is a yeah casually nice gangster, and yeah, the one thing I read too is that he has a much uh better intro in the longer version of the film, right. Right, I can see that for sure, um, but yeah, all you know, all that stuff that, like you said, the uh, the naturalism that comes through that sort of enriches the characters, the layering, um, you know, finding those uh, truisms about the characters that you usually see in Casavetti's films was absent from this. I mean, yeah. Gazera had some great looks and some great moments, but uh, you know, I, I, there was no payoff at the end. No. It didn't. It didn't add up to anything as much as you know, we wished it to and we wanted it to and we were begging for it. Which is a shame because there are some really great, um, like, thrillers
0: that are character-based, you know, that aren't just genre-genre films. Uh, and this, you know, had the potential to be that given who was, you know, behind the lens of it, but...
1: Well, yeah, it wasn't, there was there was no tension. I think that's partially because, uh, because our sort of Club owner... He was casual about the whole thing. Like, he was... He was 23 grand in debt. Didn't seem like a big deal. Didn't seem like a big deal. Yeah. But he said, you gotta kill somebody. He's like, nah, I'm just gonna pay you the money instead. Or whatever. Maybe reduce it. What can we do there? Then he goes to see some movies. He never seemed scared, tense, concerned about anything. Losing his club. Dying. Anything. Yeah. You know? He loses his girlfriend. Eh. None of it's a problem. here's a drink. None of it's really a problem. So... If it's not a problem for him, why are we going to be concerned as viewers? Why are yeah. we going to be like so young filmmakers out there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but again, I think.
0: But then I think it's funny because I think that's why people probably love movies like this because it doesn't do all those quote obvious things that we're told movies are supposed to do. Uh, but it's like i you know as a viewer, those are the kind of things I enjoy. Like I, I, I need there to be stakes for a story to work for me. Or just to be invested or to care. Right. You know, if the character... Like you said, if he doesn't care about any of this, why should
1: I? Yeah. And yeah. sort of I never felt at the end... Because I do like these kinds of movies myself quite a bit. I mean, I'm into them. But in this particular case, I, at the end of the day, I felt none the wiser. I didn't feel enriched. I didn't feel like i have been shown up anything really. Like, it was wasn't gritty it was again real it was it was not like ooh yeah we saw some great 70s boobies like nice yeah un- uninflated real boobies everywhere that's well, that's, it's almost <laughs> like it was
0: one of the things that he, that he was doing is like every now and then when he knew the movie was maybe getting a little stale
1: he just put some boobs on the screen a little peekaboo and uh but yeah it was sort of none of that none of that stuff was there at the end of the day that uh makes a Cassavetes film a Cassavetes film in terms of uh, the intermachinations of human nature.
0: Yeah. I will say, you know what? I, uh, I, I saw a really great film at TIFF that I liked a lot that makes me think of the, like a, a good version of what this would have been. Uh, even though the genre was slightly different as opposed to being like quote mo- not modern day, this would have been modern day at the time. Uh, it, it's more of a western genre, but it was called The Sisters Brothers. Um, and it's it's Joaquin Phoenix and John C. Riley.
1: I read about that. Yeah, it's it was really great. Riley and his wife's passion project. Yeah, and I think
0: it's—I it, don't think it's the kind of movie that's for everyone. But it, it reminded me of this, where it's kind of like there's a bit of a thriller aspect to—not really thriller, is not the right way—but uh, you know, very character-based, and you know, doesn't necessarily fulfill the, the all the the, thing, the expectations of the genre. But subverts a lot mm-hmm. but in a way that's really calculated you know it's it's the good version of something like this right where the stakes stakes are felt and there are things that come up um and you're
1: rooting you're rooting for somebody and you
0: know. really rooting for somebody yeah yeah they're they're yeah so that that'll be coming up out in the upcoming weeks or months i'm not sure the release date but it was a tiff which leads me to believe it will come out this fall 100 percent. yeah <laughs> yeah uh, yeah, what, I mean, what are your favorite kind of films that, that fall into this, this genre of, of, like, character-based thriller or,
1: oh, gah, off the top of my head, I don't know, I don't, uh, let me, let me think, we should talk about other stuff and maybe we'll just kind of
0: like. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, I, I think the coins <laughs> really comes to mind, I think of like, um, uh, No Country for Old Men, for sure. Uh, even their version of True Grit had some nice moments where they uh, they
1: subvert your expectations in really nice ways. Oh, yeah, that's kind of what they, that's their move. They take, like, an old movie style or a movie from the past and then twist it, subvert it their own way and make it their own. Uh, like, Miller's Crossing is a Coen Brothers version of, I'm trying to think, it's Shakespearean. <coughs> Brothers Crossing almost has like a Shakespearean quality. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's a particular noir film with Veronica Lake, I'm thinking. Uh, the Glass Key? I've never seen it. <coughs> it's basically that movie. Coned up. Sorry, I got something in my throat. I think a popcorn or something. It'll do that. <coughs> just sits and lingers. <coughs> but, um, yeah, I'm just trying to think of... Because there's all those ones in the 90s, too, like Red Rock West with like Nicolas Cage were these kind of weird, quiet, noirish films, but they were also, like, quirky, with flares of humor. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I don't know, this is like its own genre, which which all those sort of mid-90s indie films were. Yeah, I just saw a terrible
0: uh, thriller at, at TIFF uh, called Widows. The <laughs> um, Steve McQueen, guy that made 12 Years a Slave. Right. Very anticipated film. And I read reviews for it. People seemed to love it. I just thought it was the kind of film that, Everyone's like, oh, I love how he leans into genre, where it's like, I saw it as not someone leaning into genre so much, as someone just giving into every trope and cliche with zero character uh, motivation for anything. Just hoping the trope... Just doing stuff because, you know, like, characters acting in ways that no human being would ever act, but the story requires them to do so, so here they are. Right. Um... Yeah, it was one of those, I'm not sure, I'm sure you've had this, where it's like you're sitting there watching this movie and and going, wow, it's like everyone must universally realize what a piece of garbage this is, Mm -hmm. and then you walk out and start hearing other people talking about it and wonder, it's like, did I watch the same movie that other people watched because I have a very different feeling on this, and I don't think I'm like that removed from most audiences, you know, in terms of my tastes. But, uh, yeah, anyway, that was, uh, not, to, not to compare Widows with, with with Chinese Bookie, but for me it was the same kind of uh, movie where I went in with uh, expectations that were not met. Mm-hmm. Uh, hoping it would be a certain thing, given who the filmmaker was. Right.
1: Well, I feel like with Bookie, I feel like when I was in my little Cassavetes phase, I feel like I remember reading, like, this. this was not a good movie. <laughs> I feel like that maybe is one of the reasons I avoided it or didn't pursue it as hard as I, yeah. I could have to to, uh, to watch it.
0: But I remember those days, man. I loved, I loved that, just what you were talking about, the idea of, you know, you're trying to track down a movie uh, back in those days because that's when, that's when it was being a real proper film nerd when you had to, you know, you couldn't just jump on Netflix or on iTunes and... Or YouTube or whatever, and just find anything digitally. Where I think most people now, it's like if you you know you spend ten minutes on the internet, you can find whether legally or not uh, a copy of whatever it is you want to watch. Where you know back in those days, you had to mail order shit. You'd if you're lucky, you found a website that could lead you to something. But even before that, like I remember, you know, I grew up in a small town, and so we had one video store. And then it would be driving to the closest city, which was Hamilton, and, and having to just just drive from different, like, music world or HMV or just, Mm -hmm. you know, all those different places, hoping that they had the VHS of the thing you were, you were just jonesing for
1: at the time. Yeah. And then Uh, the trip back and then you're like, this really, I hope this is really worth it. Yeah. It's so good when it was worth it. You're like, Yes. Now I know what everyone's talking about. I'm in the loop. It was so worth it. Yeah. And the other time, she's like, what the hell? Yeah. What is it? What is all the buzz about?
0: But it was part of the chase. It was part of, the, part of that era that it's, I think is lost upon uh, younger, younger goers. I think, which is, uh, which is a shame. I mean, it's, I think it's so easy to consume everything now, uh, but you don't necessarily, you don't have the same journey or relationship with it. Because it is so easy to just come by.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of it, you know, even stuff when, you know, uh, like a Sundance Film Festival back in the early 90s or late, you'd hear about these festival films and there was a lot more like mystery about them because they never got to theaters here. And sometimes you wouldn't wouldn't even get it on VHS because it was too hard to find. So I remember uh, Laws of Gravity with Peter Green was a big one where I was like, I've heard about this film. You know, and it's kind of like a rough around the edges New York kind of gangster film. Uh, And finally, my boss at the video store picked it up like years later. But for the longest time, it was it was like a mythical beast.
0: Yeah, same. It was was always. uh, I I remember when I was in film school back in the the, uh, the blockbuster days, and it would be like you'd hear about all those different Sundance titles or or other festival titles, and then all of a sudden they'd be in the you know, the, the three for $10 bin. Yeah. And it's just like, I, the amount of movies I picked up sight unseen just because I'd heard enough good things. And it's the kind of thing where I was like, well, I could rent it for a dollar cheaper or I could just have it. Yeah. And if I like it, then I have it.
1: Yeah. Well, It was, a lot of it was word of mouth, you know, because that's all you really had. There wasn't like a, a, a sort of digital trail on the internet where you could find something. It was only because someone would mention it and then two years later someone else might mention it and you're like, I remember this. I got to remember this. I got to file it away. So I did that. Uh, like I love Tulane Blacktop, which Criterion has a version of. I love, love, love that film. Um, but then I found out there was sort of a, a sequel by Monty Hellman uh, called um, Cockfighter, with Warren Oates in it as the lead role again. But he, this, his character has taken a vow of silence. I was like, now this sounds interesting. Yeah. So. Have you found it? I did. I tracked it down at Queen Video years ago, and it was like just a battered copy. I think you can buy it on the internet, maybe, but it's like a ton of money. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that was one of those films. That was one I was tracking for years. Nice. Yeah. And then you find that was always rewarding, too. Yeah. Uh,
0: But I I find that that's the case now with, um, because I still like whenever I'm at a yard sale or like a beat goes on or any of those used stores like I'm still I'm I'm either upgrading my VHS collection that I have that I still haven't gotten rid of movies that I I I went through and paired all my VHS that I don't want I know I'll never rewatch anymore okay. and now I'm just left with the ones that I do want to upgrade at one point and they're almost like sitting like placeholders on my shelf mm-hmm. for the day that I either they release a Blu-ray version of it or I find the the DVD but it's funny like there are so there are a lot of those DVDs where it's like they're 40 bucks 50 bucks online and I'm like, I can't justify spending that much. Mm-hmm. So I just scour yard sales and other places just hoping to find one for, you know, three or five bucks or whatever, or a buck. Usually they, they sell them for a buck or two. Yeah, I
1: picked up uh, Wonderland at uh, Value Village for like four bucks, and that's one of those films. Have you seen Wonderland? Uh, no. Val Kilmer as uh, basically Johnny Johnny Wad from the 70s. Okay. And so that small bit in Boogie Nights, man, the... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy ...with the firecrackers? So it's the story of that which really happened which apparently happened like two doors down from Johnny Wad's place, and he was sort of involved tangentially in the whole thing. So it takes it's that true story from the 70s, and it's fictionalized. But it also comes with, which is really awesome, a second disc, which is the documentary, Wad the Documentary, nice. of which a lot of the stuff in Boogie Nights is based on, like where Dirk Diggler's talking to Cameron and all that documentary within the movie. Yeah. It's like... Right out of Wad the dock, it's hilarious and super cool. And Wonderland was actually the first, uh, like in real life, that Wonderland Avenue murder scene was the first where uh, video was used by police to document things. So they have that stuff on the special uh, features of it. Oh, cool! Which again, so it's the very first sort of grisly video footage instead of just uh, you know photography. Nice. So it's uh, yeah, it's, it's a cool flick, but I would never pay. $35.99 35.99 for it, but no. there it was someone getting rid of it. I picked up 24-hour party people, like a UK version, like a double disc, tons of extras. But it's UK version, so I got to get a DVD player to play it. But yeah, I, like, for I don't it. have this, so I'm going to pick it up, and this is fully loaded. So nice, big. yeah. So cool. you never know. You never know. No, it's nice. It's
0: good. It's good to be a collector still. Yeah, I, it, it'll be. A, I mean, I can't imagine how long. It'll last. The ability to still collect these things the way I, I always want... I always think about how long... Even a place like Criterion is going to be pumping out discs. Mm-hmm. I think that it... I, 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 I feel like there's specialty enough places like... There's a couple places like them that I feel like hopefully they'll survive long enough because as long as there's people like us I think out there that are still
1: willing to pay a little bit more to have it. To have it. You need to have it. You, I see. Now more than ever, you know, with sort of the, the dearth of places to go and get it. You know, the library's been great lately, but, you know, you look at even iTunes, owning it digitally, and then all of a sudden you can't get at it digitally. They're, it's gone. Yeah. So, just, you can't rely on that.
0: Well, that's just it. Because uh, everyone's like, well, why, why do you own so many co- discs when there's Netflix and iTunes? Because all of a sudden, a movie I wanted to watch on Netflix, they don't have it anymore. it's, yeah. it's Their window
1: Expired yeah. and now I can't find it at all. Yeah. Yeah, you can't you can't rely on that. Plus it's not it's not exactly the broadest scope of, of films that are on Netflix and stuff like that. No. You know, there's specialty you know, like shutter for horror. But again, if you want it, you have, I get savvy to pick it up. Yeah. Uh, for sure. I yeah. did uh what else did I get recently? Oh, I got The Weatherman with Nicholas Cage, which is I remember that movie. Yeah, it's just funny, different, weird, but one of those movies that, you know, it's never going to be on Netflix unless they have, like, a Nicolas Cage binge when they suddenly enact those movies all show up at once, but... They buy them like a used car for parts. Yeah. Uh, Have you
0: checked out uh, the streaming service Canopy yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, they have
1: a a great selection of Criterion titles. Yeah. As well. Totally. Especially the older ones, it's really good. I used, I did a lot, they had a lot of uh, good... um, 70s and early 80s uh, punk stuff on that recently, which is great. Um, yeah, you know, like Blank Generation and the Smithereens and just really cool, again, sort of uh, mythical stuff, which is really hard to get on VHS. There's some bonkers stuff on that site. Yeah, I mean, there's on Netflix
0: too. You walk through some of these things and you're like, what is this? Mm-hmm. Like, what they'll do, they'll just buy
1: anything. Yeah, yeah, but a lot of times you're like, yeah, because I just saw Criterion's coming out with the Smithereens, so I was like, ah, that's crazy. Yeah. So. Um, it's interesting what's out there and you know just like Bookie it's it's good to get proactive and watch it and it's good that yeah. you're, you're doing a a program like this because it's it's kind of motivational unless I'm doing research for something I like I prefer my comfort movies right yeah. comfort foods no I'm the same way
0: I'm the same way but it's like it is nice to go back and force yourself to watch some of these movies that you
1: need a little extra push yeah. to get through even just to get through it yeah know? like if I was probably watching it by myself I might be like eh. You might not have made Pause. it all the way through. Yeah.
0: yeah. Totally. I'll come back to this and then you don't. Yeah. And it's interesting too, Criterion is now, I think it's because they've gotten through all of the masters from like the, the 50s and 60s. All the, you know, the Fellinis and the Truffos, all those guys that were part of the original Janus or Janus, whatever yeah, that, that whatever that it is, yeah. And so now they're they're doing deeper dives into stuff that, like from our childhood, mm-hmm. like the, you know, they put out Breakfast Club, uh, they put, you know, they're putting out Princess Bride, Bill Durham, like, they're putting out a lot of interesting stuff that's like almost like the second wave in the new generation of Criterion yeah. and putting together these amazing discs of movies that are not uh, kind of their typical fare. Right. Which yeah. is really, really nice to see how that's kind of progressing uh, and they're expanding in that way. I think Shampoo is getting a disc. Great. Great. You know, stuff like that. It's really, really fun. And more comedies. Like They're definitely putting on more comedies than they, they ever have in the past. Which is really nice to see.
1: Yeah, that's my jam. Nice.
0: Yeah, well, we, we we completely got away from Chinese Bookie, but I think that's okay. We had to, we had to. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I take away, I, I still love the spirit of Cassavetes and what he did. I, you, know, you and I both, I think, we, we, you know, we made our starts just getting it done and making shit on our own because no one else would give us the resources to do so. So I think it's it's easy for us. And a lot of filmmakers, I think, uh, that we know and we came up with uh, kind of had to do it this way. I know
1: Ingrid Venager is a huge Cassavetes nerd as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was wondering about that. I wonder if she's a recent nerd or not. Like she d- just discovered it or is reinvigorated by it. I think she it goes back. It goes back, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, I'd love to know her opinion on this movie, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a tough sell. I'd like to see someone who's like, it's brilliant, and then yeah, debate I wanna, it.
0: I want to find the person who who Chinese bookies their favorite is. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> we'll put it out there, listeners. Put it, it out and there. And then
0: find out what else they like.
1: Yeah, exactly. And judge
0: them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For their taste. And not news. silently judge them. No. No, 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 no. Attack, attack the fuck out of them. With love. But with love and, and, and a bizarre respect. Because... I also respect someone who this is their favorite movie if they can justify it properly.
1: Yeah, I mean, by all means, persuade me. I am ready to be persuaded. Yeah, but uh, I think it, that definitely a takeaway for me is like it's not enough just to have a decent idea and some talented actors and no, some great sometimes vocations. yeah, sometimes uh, even the best of us fail. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah this is a good way to look at this. and I will say for those who aren't you know don't know uh if if you've listened to this episode without uh, having seen much of casvedes or this movie uh that's fine uh although now we've ruined everything for you. I would say uh even if you're not interested in, in watching a Casavetes film as a, as a young filmmaker, I would definitely look into him. I think he's an interesting person that was really a part of a, a movement of independent cinema in the in the sixties and seventies. That I think you'd be
1: uh, behooved not to, you know, at least know his story. Absolutely, uh, you know, he influenced probably a lot more famous filmmakers. That's a thought. Like, who? Why hasn't there been a Cassavetes biopic? I don't know. I think everyone's like afraid because he'd just come down from the from heaven or the depths of hell. He'd come up from and, and be like, "What are you running? doing?" Yeah, this is like everything against everything of my principles. You know, who would play him? Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell would be great. That's a great call. Sam Rockwell would play Cassavetes. It would be good for Rockwell because, you know, he doesn't do enough, for me, like, edgy stuff, too. And Cassavetes is a guy who was like, a drunk and angry, you know, and fought the system and, you know, fought with everybody all the time. But still, you know, his friends loved him. I'm throwing it out there. Someone free 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 movie idea Hollywood. Just don't let his son direct it. My God, he's just gone off the
0: rails. Yeah, so. Casavetti's biopic starring Sam Rockwell. I will buy a ticket
1: for that. Done. There we go. Two. Uh, any other final thoughts? No i uh, I think I've definitely got everything I need out <laughs> about Bookie. I don't need to see it again. It's all locked away. Yeah, I might read, I might go in and
0: fully read those articles and those interviews now. Right, but. Uh, don't don't feel the need to, to pop in the '76 version.
1: Yeah, it's unfortunate too because that would have been a neat little thing to watch it and see the difference, but not not anymore. Because yeah. I, I don't want to. I feel like I don't want to. It. Yeah, it's, sorry. It's, thanks, Criterion, for putting it on the disc. It's like terrible homework.
0: Yeah, thanks. <laughs> all right, thanks for coming over, man. All right, no problem. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Thanks for joining us for The Killing of a Chinese Bookie. Another reminder that if you like the show, please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word about it. You can find me on Twitter at Lawn Jeremy and go to Facebook for Black Hole Films. Leave a review there or an Apple podcast or wherever it is you listen to us. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.